You are listening to the Uncanceled Podcast. We believe that Jesus came to set you free and nothing can cancel the truth of God's word. Now here's your host, the youth pastor of Impact Youth at Faith Church in New Milford, Connecticut, Pastor Joey Santora. Who? What is going Come on, on. Uncancelled? How are you guys doing? As you can see, maybe you can see, well, actually, they can see a new background for sure. Would you look at that? Would you look at that? That's thanks so to, fancy. Thanks to uh, the one and only Marshall Pay. One and right only, there, for real. Uh, has a new, uh, we got a new backdrop here. We got a new setup here in the impact room. Uh, obviously, we went under some uh, construction, uh, but now we're back in the impact room. Yes. And, uh, this is it. This is the set now. This is the setup. This is the time. Now is the moment. And, and we're just going to take it and we're going to run with it. We are. It's going to be great. It's going to be great. Um, I, I'm here and I, I'm excited today uh, as we start this new journey here in the new empath room. But you know what new journey's called for? Call, call, call for, not called. Call for. They call for more new journeys. More new, jer- yeah. new journeys uh, and new ratings. Yeah, new ratings. New ratings. You know, Mr. D in high school at Faith Prep, oh. he used to always talk about tabula rasa. Oh, I remember Do you remember that, that? freshman remember that. year? Yep. It's like, I guess it's like a Latin word for new beginnings. And, and this is a tabula rasa it sure right is. here. It's a, it's a new beginning because rate that foreign snack. It's still like here, but kind of in a different fashion. Yeah. We're going to have some foreign uh, snacks in this segment, but it's not all going to be foreign snacks because- but it, but it will all be something. It will all be something. And we kind of like this because it's very linear, yeah. I feel like. It's yeah, like yeah. very easy to rate and to really get a good grab on. Um, ben, it is time to Let's do it. Rate, rate that, that Oreo. Oreo. You know, wait until I hit it. Sorry. That's yeah, right. you're right. You're right. You're right. Oreos. Oreos. Come on. We got Oreos. Um, ben, why don't you explain some a little bit of what we talked about with like how we were going to do this? Sure. So obviously this is, we're, we're just going to be rating Oreos. So the criteria can be a little bit more structured and it's not going to change every week. Um, and so we're going to, we're going to rate it based upon how accurate the flavor is to the advertisement. Uh, if we like the flavor, um, the frosting to cookie ratio and am I forgetting something? No, that, that that's all that we're rating it on. Because the texture, gonna, we think at least, is going to you know, be the same yeah. pretty much every and, week. And the cookie to cream, I'm not going to be super big like into that because the reality is there are some specialty flavors that have more cream than, than others um, that I've noticed at least with the Oreo, but I'm not going to be a huge stickler on it because sometimes it's just kind of like, I, I don't feel like it's like something to be super big into. I'll sure. take it like, it will like, it will like maybe sway me like 0.5 to like like one way or the other. Um, but basically what we're going to do after we try the Oreo, we're going to ask the question, is it better than a regular Oreo mm. at the end of it? And at the end of our series, like the very last week that we do rate that Oreo, we are going to say, you know, where does an Oreo rate all things considered? Right. Uh, Ben's saying he, he might even do a chart. Like we might have a chart going on oh, at some point. There'll be a chart. You, There'll be a chart. They've already seen the graphic at this point. They have of they the have. chart. It's, it's been it's been like right here the it's whole time. It's been like right here. It's been like right here the whole time. Right here, isn't that crazy? Like right over yeah, here. Yeah, like right over here. That's so cool. He's it, it, it's, it's up there. It's there. You yeah. you guys have it. I didn't even know, but yeah. that, that's no, great. It's, up there. it's there. I just can't see it. Right. I see it by faith. Yep. I welcome it by faith. All right, let's get to it. Why, yeah. why don't you go? To, do you want? Um, oh, do you need to pull it in the microphone? Sure. Well, you need to. Oh, 
Yeah, that's right. I lift nice. every day. <laughs> um, so these are lemon Oreos, limon. And they're golden, which, yeah. um, to be honest with you, I actually, when you told me about them, I pictured them as chocolate. Really? Chocolate and lemon's a thing. Is it? Yeah, this is better. Hmm. But it smells good, right? It does smell good. Well, it does smell good. Sniff test. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Gold. All right, hot take. Okay. Oh, don't do this. Hot take. There are days that I'm like really would rather eat a golden Oreo than a regular Oreo. Hmm. And it's like it's like kind of 50-50 for me. Like really? I think, oh, yeah, I love wow. them both. I love them both. Uh, I haven't had one of those days. I think that, I mean, for me, it's it's regular Oreo. My times, wife would agree with thought, you. So, I bet but, you that your girlfriend would agree with me. Maybe so. <laughs> All right, let's grab one. Oh, this oh, looks like there's some good cream in there. It, it's definitely a it's, little thicker. Right? It's a specialty it's flavor, yeah. so it's a little thicker. No, he called that. I, 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 so Man. I said that double-stuffed Oreos are better than regular Oreos. In my opinion, mega stuff is way too much. Mm. That's like where I'm at with that. But anyway, let's give it a shot. This is so exciting. It is exciting. Hmm. There it is. Yeah. I got nervous for a sec. It wow. It tasted just like a regular golden Oreo for the first five seconds. Mm -hmm. But then it just boom. There's the lemon. Wow. And man, did it hit. Wow. Yeah. Um I'm happy, man. I love Oreos. All right. I'm just oh gonna put that gosh, out there. Yes. They're great. They are. Um Excuse me. I'm actually, I, I, so like, this is not a total cheat here, but I have had the Oreo thin versions of these. Oh, okay. And I forgot until I put them in my mouth because I remembered the flavor and I was like, oh yeah, I've had these before with the thins. That Man. was a good time. That was, a, that good was time. a good time. There was a party going on in my mouth. It was a lemon party. It was a lemon party. It wasn't at first, but even the aftertaste is a party. And honestly, I kind of like that it snuck up on me a little bit. Like, it didn't just, like, shoot, like, all of a sudden, like, the flavor didn't just all of a sudden just, like, shoot at it, like, right away. It was, like, subtle, and then all of a sudden, there it was, you yeah. know? And I feel like as I'm just processing the, the aftertaste, you still, like, taste a little bit of the, the regular, like, cookie in there. And it's not just, like, overwhelmingly lemon. right. I agree with that. But the lemon now, is strong. I'm going to ask a question, and this is going to determine if it's a five or higher. Hmm. Would you eat a sleeve? Because, all right, you have to understand, guys. <laughs> Look at me and Ben. No. We're not fat guys, so it's, right. not like we, it's not like we do this like all the time. We would not encourage Listen, habits of eating that type of stuff. Oreos are incredible, but they're so bad for you. They're so bad the, for you. The two that we just ate was 150 calories. Yeah, like, like, like together? Or? Together. Okay, like, I just got nervous no, for no, a second. Two, I was like, no, no, no. But each one is 75. Yeah, like, that's, th not that's nothing. awful. Like, yeah. th that, that's really um, not but, good. you know. Oreos are great. Oreos are um, great. And if I was splurging one day, like would on a, I eat a whole sleeve? Yeah, that's a great question. Would you eat a whole sleeve of those, of that flavor of Oreo? I might get a little bit sick of it. Okay. Is that like too much? Like to say a sleeve to rate it if it's five? You know I like, would say, I would say like this many. Okay. Like, like, like a, like a like, six, like yeah, six. Like, like a six stack. Yeah. Six stack. Um, I might be able to eat six. Like one of those packages that you'd buy at the store with right. the six in it. Would you eat one of those? Regular Oreos? Absolutely. These, I think it, I, I think I could. 
I think I, I also it's could. Good. It is good. Yeah. No, it's good. Yeah, there's a certain Oreo that I that I could eat an entire sleeve of. We'll get there. Oh, but there. There's a lot of them. But yeah, I, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna say yes. I could eat an entire six pack of them. Yeah. And yep. I really enjoyed the cookie. It was a good cookie. You got it. My rating. Is there anything you didn't like about it? In general, I don't love lemon flavored desserts. Okay. So that's kind of what I'm like. That's the only reason that I wouldn't eat like a <laughs> like a six stack um, is because I don't love lemon flavor in general. But this was good. Um, just for me, it wasn't like it wasn't like incredible. And so I think um, I would eat six. I, I think I'll give it. I'll give it a seven and a half. Like it's a good cookie. Yeah. Like I, I'm, I'm not, it, it's a really good cookie. Lemon's just not my favorite. So I'm going to give yeah. it a seven and a half. I, I respect that. It did feel like it was lacking a little bit of something maybe in there mm. at times. Chocolate. Like <laughs> chocolate. Um, Honestly, if they did a lemon raspberry Oreo, I wow. could see that being really epic. I love um, my my father, Pastor Frank, really loves lemon. He would love these. Oh, um, we'll I'm a little some. higher on lemon than Ben. Mm -hmm. uh, I I could really go for lemon sometimes, like really go for lemon. So uh, I'm gonna see myself at an eight with this. I don't want to get too carried away yeah. with the first rating yeah. of the you know of this rate that Oreo. Um, but a little bit of a, a longer rate that today, but like kind of necessary. Yeah, we had to establish, you know, necessary. going forward. Yeah, and, and you know, Josh Melendez, if you are trying to skip to the end of the rate that segment so that you can just get right to the word, this would be where you would start right here. So um, well, we should like, is it hard to do like a timestamp? No, I don't know. If it's easy, we should yeah, like yeah. timestamp. Sure. Time, it would be like the time, your timestamp yeah, yeah. would be like right now. Yeah, Perfect. I can so, do that. Uh, thanks, man. Yep. I appreciate uh, appreciate you. And uh, should I keep them here for the for their viewing pleasure? I like it. Let's see if I can. Yeah. Cool. All right. Word. All right, guys. So we're gonna pick up with our teaching right here. Uh, we had a great rate that that was a good one, man. I, I enjoyed that. Uh, but uh, I'm excited today. It's funny because like we like ship from like kind of being like fun and like just like you know like uh, laughing about, you know, cookies or something like that to go into teaching the word of God, which kind of, you know, puts a serious shift uh, onto the podcast. I was actually talking to somebody about this the other day, but the word of God's to be uh, handled seriously. Uh, not that we don't have fun when we listen to it still, but uh, it's important to, to give the word of God an honor and respect uh, when it's taught. And so today I'm excited to talk to you about what does following Jesus look like? What does following Jesus look like? That might seem like a very general title. Like, that could be a ton of things. And, and the, the answer is, yeah, it could be a ton of things. But there's uh, four things that I wanted to hit on, and this may turn into a two-parter. So stay tuned to be able to uh, watch part two next week. But I want to talk about what does, the, what does following Jesus look like? What does it look like? And my first point, that I think, I think that a lot of people in circles of Christianity that focus on faith and victory often lack in this area. Now understand, I'm someone that preaches faith, preaches victory, teaches uh, on miracles, signs, wonders, believing God for things. All of those things are true, and I believe that to be in the Word of God. But I think that sometimes we can leave out these elements that are more uncomfortable when we teach on faith and victory. 
But we have to understand that's the full counsel of the word of God that we need to teach uh, as uh, as believers, when we're talking, to, uh, when we're discipling people, teaching people, we have to consider the full counsel of God's word. And especially as a minister, I need to teach the full counsel of God's word. And I think that this teaching will actually help us to be able to understand what following Jesus really looks like. My first point, take up our cross, take up our cross, go to Matthew, go to Matthew, Chapter 16, beginning in verse 24. Matthew chapter 16, beginning in verse 24. I hope if you're a Christian for any significant period of time, I hope that your pastor has preached on this before or has at least mentioned this scripture before. Matthew 16, verse 24. Then Jesus said to his disciples, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what profit is it to to a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? (coughs) Excuse me. This, uh, this verse, when it says to take up your cross and follow me, Jesus says, take up your cross and follow me. Deny yourself, take up your cross and follow me. I believe that this idea of taking up our cross has become lost in a lot of modern Christianity, not just in circles of faith, but also in Christianity as a whole, where we have this idea of Christianity that, you know, you know, we just kind of, you know, do our own thing and God comes along the way. Where in reality, the, the Jesus of the Bible and the Jesus that we serve actually said, if any of you wants to come after me, you must deny yourself, take up your cross and follow me. What does this take up your cross mean? What does it mean? Here's what it means. Ready? Anybody from that day that Jesus was talking to, in this story would understand this terminology. And Matthew, he was writing, Matthew, the the writer of this gospel, he was writing to a Jewish audience, Jewish Christians. They would understand, uh, and really anybody in that time, even anybody that was in Roman society or, or culture, they would understand that this phrase was referring to people who would be crucified. When somebody was crucified, they would have to carry their own cross to their death. And so what Jesus is saying is if anybody wants to follow me, they need to take up their own cross. That means that they need to die. Now that might sound kind of crazy. What do you mean die? I need to go, you know, and and die? Like, you know, I need to kill myself? No, that's not, Jesus is not talking about suicide. Jesus is not talking about literally killing your physical self. Rather, he is saying you need to die to your way. Die to self. Die to your flesh. That's what Jesus is trying to get at, is that if anybody wants to follow me, they need to die to their own way. They need to die to their own way of life and living. And certainly this becomes even more powerful when we see the example that Christ set for us. What did Christ do? He picked up his own cross, literally, right? Christ on his way to, the, to uh, die on Calvary, 
he carried his cross. We know this because there's a story in the Bible about how a man named Simon came and actually had to help Jesus carry his cross because Jesus could not carry his cross. Why could Jesus not carry his cross? Well, because he was beaten to a certain point where he, he was like physically impossible for him to do so, but he still had to carry his own cross. Jesus sets the example of carrying his cross and he tells us that we need to carry our own cross. So Jesus here, when he says to take up our cross and follow him, is saying, die to yourself and follow me. Die to the way that you want to do things. You know, people think that following Jesus just means knowing he died for you or believing there is a God. Many people will profess to be Christians because they say, yeah, I believe that Jesus died in me or whatever. Oh yeah, I believe in God. But the Bible says in James 2, 9, that even the demons believe in God, but they still tremble with fear. It's not enough to nearly acknowledge the existence of God. It is not enough to merely say, yeah, you know, whatever, Jesus died on the cross or whatever, man, and say that you're a Christian. Because that is not what following Jesus looks like. Now, certainly part of following Christ is acknowledging that he died on the cross for your sins, was buried in the ground and rose from the dead. We 100% as Christians, we need to believe those things. But it's not enough to just say, yeah, you know, you know yeah, Jesus died for me, whatever, doesn't really matter. Yeah, he died for me, but I'm just going to keep doing my own thing. I've met many people that wear cross necklaces, but they don't care about actually following Christ. Yeah, you know, yeah, he died on the cross or whatever, but I'm just going to keep living the way that I want to live, doing my own thing. This is why when I often say, and if you've listened to this podcast or you go to Impact Youth at any point of time, part of being a Christian is living and walking it out. And it's not that that saves you, but rather as an evidence that you really follow Christ. Why? Because Jesus said to take up your own cross. Jesus said that if anyone wants to come after me, that they need to take up their cross and follow me. It's about giving up your own way and following him. Giving up your own way and following him. (coughs) Sorry, I got a tickle. But following Jesus and believing that there is a God are two completely different things. We cannot follow Jesus unless we die to our flesh. What do, what do I keep? I keep saying this word flesh. What, is, what does it mean to die to your flesh? Well, we are three parts as a, as a person. We are one, but we are three parts. We are a spirit. We have a soul and we're in a body. Our body is our flesh. Our flesh, our body is the part of us that wants to do all those sinful things. Our flesh is the thing that wants to participate in sin and such. Our spirit is the thing that will live forever. Our soul is the thing that has our emotions. And so we are three parts, yet we are one. It's kind of similar to God in the Trinity. That God is three distinct persons, yet one at the same time. But anyway, that's what I mean when I say flesh. We need to die to what this physical body wants and allow our spirit to be renewed, to be made new. How do I know that we cannot follow Jesus unless we die to our flesh, unless we die to our own way? Well, because repentance is required for salvation. Repentance is required for salvation. I'll read this verse to you and I'll I'll show you how this ties in in just a second. If you go to Acts chapter three, verse 19, 
Acts chapter 3, verse 19. Acts chapter 3, verse 19. It says this. Repent, therefore, and be converted, that your sins may be blotted out, so that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. So, in order for somebody to be saved, repentance is required. Why? They need to repent so that their sins may be blotted out or their sins may be forgiven. Now, what does this word repentance mean? Well, repentance is the Greek word, and I'm not going to pronounce this per- perfectly, but metanoia. Metanoia. What does the word metanoia mean? It means to change one's mind. It represents a complete 180 in somebody's life where they turn their back on sin. So what what somebody does when they repent is they turn their back on their old way, their old self. They turn their back on sin. They go 180 and they start following God. Go to Acts chapter uh, go to Acts chapter 26, verse 16 through 20. I'll show you another example of this. Acts chapter 26, verse 16 through 20. Paul is talking here. And he's talking about his encounter with Jesus when he had met Christ. And here's what he has to say. I'm going to start in verse 14. Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? It is hard for you to kick against the goats. So I said, who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. And this is Jesus talking. But rise and stand on your feet, for I have appeared to you for this purpose, to make you a minister and a witness, both of the things which you have seen and of things which I will reveal to you. I will deliver you from the Jewish people as well as from the Gentiles to whom I I now send you to open their eyes in order to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan and to God that they may receive forgiveness of sins and inheritance among those who are sanctified by faith in me. So what was the call of Paul? What was the call of Paul? Well, he was to bring the good news. How was he going to bring the good news? How were people going to receive forgiveness of their sins? Well, it says here that they were going to be turned from the power of darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God. And so this is exactly what repentance is. It is going from darkness to light. It is turning uh, your back on Satan, turning your back on the things of the devil, turning your back on sin and heading towards God. That's what repentance is. And so repentance is required for salvation. If repentance is required for salvation, then that means, and this comes back to the idea of, we cannot follow Jesus unless we die to our flesh. Because the flesh is the thing that wants to do all those sinful things. But the gospel calls for us to be able to repent and turn our back on our flesh and our sinful ways and follow God. Why else do I know? that we cannot follow Jesus if we don't die to our flesh, other than the fact, again, that he clearly said it in the scriptures that if anyone wants to follow me, that you must die to yourself, pick up your cross and follow me. How do I know this? We know we die to ourself because of what Romans 6, 6 says. Go to Romans 6, 6. Romans 6, 6. 
It says, knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him, that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves of sin. What does it say? That our old man was crucified with him, that the body of sin might be done away with. What am I trying to get at? And I'm going to go to another scripture in a second. That we are a new creation in Christ Jesus. In order for someone to be truly saved, they must become a new creation. How does someone become a new creation? How does one become saved? Again, by repenting of sin and turning your back on sin. 180 from sin. And what happens is we become a new creation. But you can't be a new creation if you don't die to your old self. You can't be a new creation unless you die to your old self. Where does the Bible say we're, we're new? Go to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. I hope you guys are receiving this right now. You understand, you might be wondering, why is this important for me to grasp and understand? Why do I need to get it? Because a lot of Christians are ignorant of what it really looks like to follow Jesus of what it really looks like to follow Jesus. They just think, yeah, you know, believe, you know, he hung on a cross and whatever, you know, I just live my life. But as long as I just, you know, believe that he died on the cross or whatever, then that's cool. I can just keep doing my own thing. It doesn't really matter. Really and truly, the word believe, when it says in the Bible to believe upon him, it's talking, uh, that belief is to be understood to include repentance. I'm not going to go into that right now, but people use the word believe as a sense of just think it actually happened. But it's a lot deeper than that. It's yes, believing it actually happened, like thinking like, yes, this actually happened. But it also has a repentance component to it. But I'm not going to dive deep into that right now. Uh, but for 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, it says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things become new. There it is. You're a new creation. All things become new. When you're in Christ, you become a new creation. You are completely new. And so coming back to this idea of we can't follow Jesus unless we actually die to our old self. This is why I'm saying it because the scripture clearly says that if we're in Christ, we're a new creation. How could we be new if we don't die to our old self? Now, do we necessarily, uh, we don't necessarily do anything in the spiritual process of this happening. All that we have to do is believe. And again, that includes thinking it actually happened and also repenting, right? When we repent and put our faith in Jesus Christ the way that we ought to, that's when this process of becoming new happens. If we really want to follow Jesus, we need to turn our back on our, old, on our old self. We need to say, no, that's not who I am anymore. I'm turning back on the old me. I'm dying to myself. I'm picking up my cross. Christianity really has a component of dying. Christianity really ultimately is about dying to you and being alive in Jesus Christ, being alive in the God that created you, the God that saved you. That's what it really comes down to, following Jesus Christ. Well, you know, I'm a Christian, yeah, but I kind of just do my own thing and God comes along the way. You're not really a Christian if you say that. That might bother some people to hear, well, who are you to judge people's hearts? I'm not judging specific people's hearts. I'm just preaching what the Bible says. You cannot come after Jesus. Jesus says, if any of you wants to come after me, if any of you wants to follow me, you must give up your own way, the Bible says. Give up your own way. Deny yourself. Take up your cross, follow me. 
If you don't do that, then you can't follow Jesus. If a person does not do that, you cannot follow Jesus. Well, well, I just don't necessarily agree with that. Well, then you're not agreeing with the words of Jesus because he was the one who said that these are the requirements of following me. This is necessary to follow me. We need to get back to the Christianity where it's not about our will. It's not about, it's not about us. It's about serving God. It's about serving God. It's about giving up our way, the way that we want to do things in our life and saying, what is God's way? Because here's the thing, when you truly repent and believe upon God, something should happen on the inside of you where you desire to do the things that God wants. Really and truly, repentance a true, the true fruit of repentance is actually shown in the way that we live. The Bible actually says, and, and, I'm, and you can look up the scripture uh, reference for this, that, uh, that we show the fruits of our repentance through the way that we live. The fruits of our repentance through the way that we live. And so the way that we know that somebody has truly repented or that not even somebody, because it's not about even judging other people and their salvation, that's, that's up to the Lord, certainly. But for us, the way that we know that we really have given our life to Jesus Christ is the fruit of our life, that we've really repented. It's the fruit that is in our life and evident in our life. You'll be able to tell. You'll be able to see in your life. I'm not trying to tell you, you know, oh, you know, oh, I thought that I really did repent. I have been living for God. Then yes, then you really have. Then you really have believed upon Jesus Christ. But perhaps somebody watching right now, you're hearing this and you're going, man, I thought I gave my life to Jesus Christ, but I never did that repentance thing. I never turned my back on sin. I thought that I gave my life to Jesus Christ, but I just kind of do things my own way and I expect God to come along for the ride. If that's you and you're watching right now, let me encourage you today. That you can turn your back on sin today. You can get right with God today. And you can say, I turn my back on sin and I serve God. I die to me and I come alive in Jesus Christ. Let me tell you, it's far better to be alive in Jesus Christ. Here's why. This is going to be powerful. This is going to encourage you right now. Many people in Christian circles don't even understand this concept of a new creation. Whether you're a Christian watching or not a Christian, this will encourage you. If you're in Christ, if you're not a Christian, you're watching, when you decide to put on Christ, if you are a Christian, you're watching, when you decide to put on Christ, you become a new creation. You're new. Do you know what that means? That means that you're a part of a new bloodline. Hear me on this. A lot of Christians preach about generational curses. I hear a lot of people preach on them. Well, you might be a Christian, brother, but you need to renounce all the generational curses that are on your life. You know, if your father was an alcoholic, then you should, you know, renounce every generational curse that you possibly have. You know, sometimes I know people that they, you know, they spend five days, you know, five hours renouncing every generational curse to make sure that it doesn't come upon them. I would say that that's an improper understanding of becoming a new creation. Because when you're in Christ... You become a new creation, meaning that you are a part of a new bloodline. You are not associated anymore with the bloodline of your family. That's your natural bloodline. Yes, that's your biological family. Yes, you know, that will always be your mom, dad, brother, sister, aunt, uncle. I get all of that. But you are a part of a new bloodline. 
The things that were on your family are no longer on you. You are in the bloodline of Christ and so that everything that's in Christ is now in you. You have to get that for yourself and receive that for yourself. Well, you know, we just have a generational curse of poverty and sickness. Okay, did you give your life to Jesus Christ? Well, yes, I did. Well, then, okay, then you're a part of the bloodline of Christ now, and whatever your family line is doesn't, doesn't matter anymore. Whatever they did doesn't matter anymore because you are a part of the bloodline of Jesus Christ. You have to get that for yourself, receive that for yourself. Well, my father was an alcoholic, so I'm probably going to struggle with alcoholism at some point. No, that doesn't have to be you because when you put on Christ, you become a new creation. You become a part of his bloodline. You become a part of his bloodline. Receive that for yourself today. I feel even somebody maybe might watch this and you, you're, really, you're really understanding this right now because you've seen things in your family that you don't like and you're worried that that's going to be your problem. If you put on Christ, let me give you teaching this, uh, uh, well, wherever you're watching, this evening, this morning, this afternoon, whenever you're watching right now, let me give you encouragement where you're at right now that if you put on Christ, that you're a part of the family of God now and everything that Christ is, is in you. The freeing power of God is in you. You don't have to be like your family. The Bible says that you have everything that, that you need to live a godly life now. So when people say, you know, well, the generational curses, this generational curse, that generational curse, the question boils down to, are you, have you given your life to Christ or not? The power of the, of the gospel will break that off. When you give your life to Christ, you're a new creation. The reality is, is, well, you might be thinking, well, I know people who are Christians that struggle with generational curses. Here's why. Because they've been convinced with improper teaching that they have to. Hear me on this. If I get up in front of a group of youth, how many of you, your family struggles with alcoholism, drug addiction? Yeah, yeah, well, you need to renounce that or that's going to be your life. That's going to be what, what you're going to deal with in your life. Well, you know, generational curses are real. They really come upon people. And they do in the sense that if somebody is not in Christ, yes, it will pass down from generation to generation. And somebody, if a father, it's no wonder fathers are alcoholics, sons, and then their sons are alcoholics. But when you put on Christ, you're not in that bloodline anymore. Don't receive that for you. That's not for you. When you put on Christ, those generational curses break. I just felt really to preach that strongly right now. Receive that for yourself today. When you're in Christ, you're a new creation. But where does it start? It starts with taking up your cross. Taking up your cross and following Jesus. Following Jesus. How? To dying to yourself. God, I repent. It's not about me. It's about you. Maybe you have repented of your sins and put your faith in Jesus Christ, but your mind hasn't been framed in the fact that, man, I died to my old self. Sometimes there's like an illumination that takes place in our lives. So what is an illumination? It like lights up. Something lights up on the inside of you. A lot of Christians will use the word, and I've done it before too, revelation. There's very few revelations that people actually still receive. Revelation is something new. Illumination is something that's always been there, that's being lit up before your eyes, that you're like seeing for the, that you're seeing for the first time, but it's always been there. So maybe you're just getting this illumination. It's already happened on the inside of you, but it's being illuminated to you right now that, wow, 
I'm a new creation in Christ Jesus. I died to my old self. So that means that everybody, everything that I did and everything that I've done before I came to Christ, that's not me anymore. That's not me. Everything that I wanted to do in my flesh doesn't matter anymore because I'm alive in Jesus Christ. What will often happen is, what will often happen is that the flesh will keep on knocking at your door. Even after you gave your life to Christ, temptation will try to come and all that and all that junk and all that stuff. Temptation doesn't go away just because you become a new creation in Christ Jesus. Jesus was tempted. Jesus was tempted. The son of God, God in the flesh, tempted when he was on the earth. So temptation doesn't go away when you become a new creation. But what can be an encouragement to you is when you're tempted, you can remind yourself that I'm a new creation in Christ Jesus, that those things that I might have dealt with before I I gave my life to Jesus Christ, that that doesn't have to be me anymore. Those don't have to be the things that I deal with, that I don't have to keep running back to that thing. Be encouraged today. Take up your cross, that you, that, that, you know, taking up your cross really and truly, if you study the text, Jesus seems to be indicating that this is a daily thing, that this is like a regular thing to do, that when you follow him, that every day you need to take up your cross and follow Jesus. When you give your life to Christ, you die to yourself in that moment. When you give your life to Christ, you become a new creation in that moment. I'm not saying that, you know, by the end of the day, you're not a new creation anymore. You are, you're a new creation permanently, but there come, but every single morning, every single day you wake up, remind yourself to take up your cross. Die to your, uh, to say, I'm dead to my flesh. Remind yourself that you're dead to your flesh. Take up your cross. Say, nope, it's not about me. It's about me serving God. You'll notice that, you'll notice that in your life as you mature as a Christian, or even when you give your life to Christ for the first time, that Many of the things that are about you will remain the same, but a lot of stuff will change too. What do I mean? You, if you liked basketball before you gave your life to Christ, you'll probably still like basketball after you give your life to Christ. Like that's not going to change. Your gifts, your talents, you'll still have gifts, the same gifts and talents. But what will change in your life, what will be different in your life is that things that are not of God will go and the things that you value so highly will become less to what God's kingdom has to say to what the Bible has to say. Many people, before they give their life to Christ, they treat sports or they treat some type of activity as a God in their life. But then when they get real about God, they, those things become secondary in their life. But what does following Jesus look like? It's taking up your cross, taking up our cross, dying to yourself, following Jesus, following Jesus, Every morning when you wake up, remind yourself, take up my cross. Take up my cross. I'm dead to my old self. I'm alive in Jesus Christ today. I'm alive in Jesus Christ today. Let me tell you what, I'll tell you what. Jesus said, if any of you wants to, if any of you tries to, uh, tries to find your life, you'll lose it. But if you lose your life for my sake, you'll find it. What does that mean? In other words, Jesus is saying, if you try to hold on to your way of doing things, if you try to hold on to your way of doing things, you'll lose it. You'll you'll lose your life. What does that mean? In eternity, you'll lose your life. You'll have eternal death. But 
If you give your life for my sake, in other words, you do things God's way. If you lose your life, you'll actually gain it. It doesn't even make sense to us. We're like, wait, if I lose my life, I'll gain my life? Wait, what? What Jesus is talking about in that text that I read in Matthew 16, verse 25 through 26, is giving up your own way. When you give up your way and lose your life, you say, it's not about me anymore in this life. It's not about what I want. It's about what God wants. You'll actually gain eternal life as a result. And your life on this, in this life will be much better too. Be much better too. I talked about this for quite a while. So I'm going to save the next three points. They're a lot shorter than this one. I knew I was going to talk about this for a little while. But we really need to grab this again in Christianity. That it's not about what we want with our life and doing what, whatever we want to fulfill our own desires. That's not what the Christian life is about. It's not about going our own way, doing our own thing and asking God to come along for the ride. Rather, it's God, I'm going to do things your way. I'm going to hop on you. I'm going to hop on your train and I'm going to ride the train and do what you want me to do. Many of us think that we're the train or we're the train and that God's just in it along for the ride. When in reality, God's the train and we're hopping in it and we're going where he wants us to go. That's what the Christian life should look like. Give up your own way today. Maybe you have been following Jesus Christ. You have given your life to Jesus Christ. Maybe you're a student from Impact and you're watching this right now. And you're like, I've given my life to Jesus Christ. I've repented. I know I've died to my old self. I know that there's been fruit in my life. I know those things. But sometimes, or maybe not even sometimes, I haven't really, I haven't really always understood. I haven't really always understood that I need to give up my own way in life. You know what this looks like? This looks like this. You feel called by God to go do something, whether it's ministry maybe. Maybe you feel called by God. It's usually ministry with this one. But even called by God to start your own business, called by God to go and do something, called by God to go to a certain school. And I'm talking about when you grow up. And I'm talking to my students right now specifically that, that might be watching this at Impact Youth or any youth students watching. And people in your family oppose you. Who do you choose? Do you choose God's way? Or do you choose, or do you choose your family's way? Do you choose in your life ways that you can make quick money? Or ways that you can serve God and do it the way he wants? And this will be one of my points next week, but understand that when you choose God's way, there's great blessing, but don't try and go out of God's order of doing things, seeking first the kingdom of heaven and its righteousness and everything else will be added on to you. Take up your cross today. Give up your own way. Follow him. Your life will be more fulfilled for it. Perhaps you're watching this right now and you're like, man, I don't know. If I've given my life to Jesus, I'm not, I'm not positive that, I, that I'm right with God right now. I've never repented of my sin and put my faith in Jesus Christ. And I'm not trying to get people that have genuinely given their life to Jesus Christ to question their salvation. If you've given your life to Jesus Christ and know it, then that's great. Praise God for that. That's wonderful. But if you've never made that decision to repent and turn your back on sin, say, oh, God, I was going this way, but I need to go that way. God, 
I need to, to go with what you're doing, not try and make you come and do what I'm doing. If you're watching this right now and you never heard that Jesus Christ died for you on the cross, died for your sin, paid the punishment and penalty for our sin, was buried in the ground and rose from the dead and that he wants a relationship with you today. All that he says is if you would repent of your sin and put your faith in me, then you will have eternal life. That's you and you're watching this right now. You have an opportunity to do that right now. Just repeat this prayer after me. Say this, say, dear Jesus, today I give you my life. I repent of my sin. I put my faith in you. I believe that you died on the cross, was buried in the ground, and rose from the dead. And you live forevermore. I'm a Christian now. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Praise God if you prayed that for the first time. Welcome to the family of God. You're a new creation in Christ Jesus. Uh, and if you did pray that prayer for the first time, uh, or if you, you know, uh, recommitted your life to God, I'm not sure which one it might be, and you're saying to yourself, man, I really just need to get plugged into a good church. I need to get, I need to know what to do next now, because understand when you give your life to Christ, it's only the beginning of your journey with God. It's only the beginning of your journey with Jesus Christ. If that's you. And you're saying, man, I, I really need to get plugged into a good church. You just said that prayer. I want you to go ahead and just uh, type into our chat. You, you could say, um, you could say, uh, you know, I just got saved. Just type that in. I just got saved. Just like that, right in the comments. Uh, or you can go to our Instagram handle at Impact Youth. That's M P A C T Youth. It's not. There's no I. It's just Impact Youth. You can go ahead and message our page, and we'll help you get some resources and materials to be able to get plugged in. But I'll tell you this, if you live in the Danbury, Connecticut area, if you're within an hour of Danbury, uh, or of New Milford, Connecticut specifically, but the Danbury, Connecticut area, I encourage you, Faith Church is a great church. That's the church that I youth pastor at. Come on, come on out to Faith Church. But if you're watching this right now and you've made it through to the end, let me pray for you right now. Maybe you're saying to yourself, man, today's uh, sermon really challenged me that I need to take up my cross and follow Jesus every single day, that this is really what the Christian life is about. Let me pray for you right now. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray for every single person watching. I pray in the name of Jesus that the reality of taking up their cross, Father, and following you would be in their heart, Father, every single day, in their mind, every single day when they wake up, God. Father, I thank you, Lord, that we are raising up a generation of people that understand what it looks like to really follow you. In Jesus' name, bless them as they go. Amen. Amen. Well, God bless you. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. Uh, we'll be back next week with part two of what does following Jesus look like. Uh, hope to see you guys next week. And if you're an MPAC student, I'll see you. I'll see you next Wednesday. God bless. Thank you for listening to the Uncanceled Podcast. We hope you are blessed and encouraged by the teaching today. If you are between the grades of 5th through 12th grade, make sure to check us out in person at Faith Church in New Milford, Connecticut every Wednesday night from 6.30 to 9 p.m. 
Be sure to tune in next week for another weekly podcast from Uncanceled. God bless. God bless.